Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, life coach, recovering alcoholic, and entrepreneur. And I'm going to start this episode with a mind-blowing statistic. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Everyone has triggers. Crazy, right? I know, I know. It's not that mind-blowing when you think about it (laughs) because we're all living life, dealing with the ups and downs and the changes we have to make as we go through it. Change is inevitable. And when we're undergoing change and leaving old behaviors, habits, and people behind, there will be triggers. It's also a little comforting to know that we're in this together because if you've had to overcome triggers like I have, then we're not alone. Actually, we're in great company. Now, if I told you that you can get through all the triggers and I can show you how to do it, would you be interested? Yes. I hope you just said yes, because that's what we're doing today. (laughs) It's important to continue talking about this topic of triggers because I know many of my clients experience it to the point that they fear starting new and exciting endeavors, or they will start and they definitely don't follow through on these new and exciting endeavors because they begin to think like, I don't want to deal with the triggers and cravings 24 hours a day, or Thursdays are a huge trigger for me and I don't know how to get through it. So they don't start or stick with the process. Have you been guilty of this? I know I have for sure. And I've overcome it. And I want to talk to you about how you can as well. The thing is, triggers are a real thing. And if you're dealing with them and sometimes feel like they are winning the battle, I want you to know you are far from alone. There is nothing wrong with you and you can definitely overcome it. In fact, let me tell you about some of my experiences recently with sugar addiction triggers. Uh, When I gave up sugar last year, some of you that know me personally probably know this story a little bit, but I'm going to get a little more in detail to really prove my point that triggers are very real and happen to all of us. So I've struggled with sugar addiction for many years. I would say Food was my first addiction long before alcohol ever entered the picture. And I want to give you a little background on this so you can see how it all played out. Growing up, we were a dessert family. And I grew up back in the day that everything was made from scratch. And your mom and your grandma always had like fresh baked pies and cobblers and all of this amazing stuff. Now, as a kid, I wasn't obsessed with desserts. I loved them, but I didn't spend a ton of time thinking about them or craving them or overeating them. And when I became a drinker, I didn't eat much at all. 
we would gather over dinner in a beautiful restaurant and eat good food. But as time went on, the focus became more about the cocktails and less about the food. And I never ate sugar because I didn't want to waste my stomach space with food and dessert because I needed that space for alcohol. (laughs) So fast forward 100 years, I get sober. And when you're listening to this, actually, I will have just celebrated my 17th sober birthday. So back to the story, I got sober. I didn't immediately turn into a a crazy sugar addict. Sugar was usually around at AA meetings. I definitely enjoyed it. I would have desserts after eating and things like that. But I had this pivotal moment with ice cream. One night, I saw this flavor of Ben and Jerry's called Caramel Sutra. I am obsessed with caramel, by the way. It's probably the main reason I ate ice cream, just because the ice cream was the vehicle to get the caramel in my mouth, okay? (laughs) I'm like that with a lot of foods, too. I only eat bagels as a vehicle for cream cheese. Anyway, back to the story. So I get a pint of Caramel Sutra. And it has this amazing, super fat thread of caramel all the way through the ice cream. And I was hooked instantly. But also remember, I'm lazy. So I wasn't going to go to the big grocery store all the time to get ice cream because I'm just too lazy to have to park and walk around an entire store for a pint of ice cream. Remember, too, this was like 10 or 11 years ago. I'm not nearly that lazy now. Thank goodness I've worked through a lot of that. (laughs) I am much less lazy now, but it is a core drive in me that I have to always be aware of. But I had this convenience store right around the corner from my apartment. And when I was in there one night, I saw they had a small cooler with ice cream. And I could see they had Ben and Jerry's. So I walk over and I'm like, there's no way. They've only got a few here. There's no way they're going to have my flavor. Much to my surprise, there it was, my friends, Caramel Sutra. And this is where my addiction took off because now it was fast and easy and convenient. I could pop right into the convenience store, grab it. It only took a couple of minutes and I started having it four to five nights a week. Now, my other great love is gummy candy, 12 flavor bears, peach rings, sour snakes. I could literally eat pounds of gummies and they sell these everywhere. And I'll be honest with you, quitting sugar has been the hardest thing I've ever quit. I gave up drinking and it didn't bother me that much. I quit smoking after 20 years of being a smoker. Didn't bother me that much. Not that it was easy, but I never felt overwhelmed by cravings or felt like I couldn't do it. But sugar has been so crazy hard and I've learned so much about myself in this process, mostly about all of the rituals I have with sugar. And I've talked about this before with food too. I have all these rituals at every grocery store or the mall or the convenience store, at every retail store I go to. Literally everywhere I go, I have food and candy rituals. I didn't have that experience with alcohol because I just stopped going to the places that revolved around alcohol, right? Liquor stores and bars. But with food and sugar, it's everywhere I go, all day, every day, because I'm still going to the grocery store the mall, retail stores. 
But now I have to fight through those cravings every step of the way. I also have the rituals at my house. For a long time, I had this ritual of picking up dinner and ice cream, bringing it home. And my ritual was like, I would take Henry out, then we would climb up on the couch, turn on the television, cuddle up, and we would eat dinner together and relax and watch TV. Then I would move on to my pint of ice cream. And this brought me so much joy. I almost can't put it into words. But it's bittersweet because that 40 to 45 minutes of eating, I was so content and relaxed and enjoying all these incredible flavors. But for the next 24 hours, I was pretty uncomfortable. I'd wake up bloated. My face would be puffy. I'd have no energy or motivation. And sugar for me, sugar makes me sad. So I would always be super down the day after. And then I would pile on more sugar. So triggers aren't only out in the world, they're in my home all the time. Overcoming triggers is a reality of life. To put it in perspective, you deal with the same sort of triggers with relationships and jobs and parenting. When you break up with someone, there will almost always be moments that you're tempted to text them or you think you want to try again, or they'll text you and trigger all these thoughts and emotions, and you have to decide to fight it or give in to it and create more drama in your life, but you have to work through those moments. Or with your job, if you aren't crazy about your job or you've outgrown your current position or company, you think it's time to start looking for other opportunities, you'll be triggered to second guess yourself. Is this the right thing? Could I really find something better? What if I get another job and it's not what I want it to be and I don't like it either? These are all the triggers you have to fight through the process. There's nobody, absolutely nobody in this world that doesn't deal with triggers. So if you learn anything here today, I want you to own that this is a part of life. You don't need to put a judgment on it that it's good or bad. We don't need to label it. It's just fact. Deal? Okay. I get fired up about this topic because I see how much potential you have and I've lived it. I know what's possible. I know that the inability to deal with triggers can literally be blocking you from your greatness and stopping you from taking your recovery to a place you can't even imagine right now. If I thought about my sobriety 16 years ago, Wait, I need to start saying 17 because when this airs, it'll be 17. (laughs) If I thought about my sobriety 17 years ago and you told me it would be where it is today, I would have told you you are crazy. So I want to remind you where you could be in such a short time from now will blow your mind. But if you keep thinking small and giving in to impulsivity and throwing in the towel when you're triggered, you'll never get to that place. So a little tough love, we've got to start breaking down the triggers, and that's what this episode is all about. So buckle up, my friend. Let's get into this because I'm ready for you to have some major breakthroughs and see what you're really capable of. And thank you to all of you for joining me every single week. I so appreciate you guys for being here with me. So let's get into this, okay? Let's start with getting really clear about triggers, what they are, how they show up, 
And starting with the understanding that triggers trigger us into a habit. Are you with me? You aren't triggered to do some unknown thing. You're triggered to act out a habit that you've done over and over. You've heard me talk about the habit loop or the habit cycle. And a trigger triggers you into that loop. So your brain is always searching for efficient ways to get things done. It's very busy and it gets tired. So it stores and hardwires information on how we respond to certain things. This makes it easy to where your brain doesn't have to work so hard for every little thing we do. Like making coffee in the morning. You've done it a million times. So your brain has hardwired that habit cycle so that it doesn't have to expend so much energy on that task. You've done it a million times. You're on autopilot, essentially. Or think about when you drive to work or drive home from somewhere and you don't really remember the drive because you were lost in thought. This can happen because your brain has hardwired the information. Also know that the brain does not decipher between positive and negative cues or triggers. So it also hardwires information and responses from stress. Um, I read this thing, Dr. Judd Brewer He is a New York Times bestselling author and an associate professor at Brown University. He focuses on the behavioral and social sciences, and addiction is in that, behavioral sciences, right? And he says, the brain hardwires stress responses when people react to certain stimuli in the same way. This creates an anxiety loop. So even if a situation isn't serious, the brain picks up on signals from the body and sets all the system defenses in motion. Anxiety habit loops are formed as individuals consistently overreact to stressors. Once the brain is wired to react in a certain way, it will connect to the same loops, even though they may not be helpful responses to the circumstances at hand. All right, that was a lot. But the part I really want you to pay attention to here, (laughs) habit loops are formed as individuals consistently overreact to stressors. Maybe you're nodding your head yes right now, and you can relate to this way of explaining habit loops. A trigger triggers a habit loop. And newsflash, we all experience triggers and habit loops every day. It's just how your brain consolidates things to save its energy. The good news is I have five impactful ways to take control of your habit loops and kick those triggers down the road. Now, I want to say this. Triggers show up in different ways for different people. For one person, it might be an emotional trigger, like getting your feelings hurt or feeling insecure or uncertain about something or getting angry All of those can trigger you to the behavior. Or maybe for someone else, the trigger shows up in a person or a place. We all know how hard it can be to see someone or get a text from someone who you've really had a lot of fun times with, but now it's totally detrimental to your well-being to see that person right now. And perhaps this is one that is particularly difficult. It can be a trigger of time like what I call the witching hour, that time of the day that triggers all the thoughts and leaves you vulnerable. 
But no matter how you're experiencing triggers, the tools I'm going to share with you today are going to help you overcome those feelings so that you can stay the course on your plan and be your amazing self for your friends and your family. So the first way that you're going to kick triggers to the curb is to get out of your feelings and into reality. Sound weird? Yes. True? A hundred percent. The reason I wanted to kick this off with this concept, get out of your feelings and into reality, is because you have to start there. The rest of the things we talk about in this episode today won't matter if you're stuck in your feelings and the overreactions that come with them. Now, here's the deal. You're making big changes in your life to be a better version of you, right? And you were drawn to make this change for a very intentional reason. And I promise you that the clarity and confidence, stability, and the relief you're dying for doesn't come from overreacting to temporary feelings. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you should never feel your feelings or feelings are bad. Feelings are fantastic. Feelings can be a great guide in our lives to tell us what is effective and what's ineffective. The problem is when the feelings control you and you aren't controlling them. Meaning something happens in your life and you spin into an emotional reaction without taking a moment to get grounded in reality. Pause. Allow yourself a more appropriate response. Let's take traffic as an example because it's an easy one. It's always an easy one. Someone changes lanes to be in front of you and they cut it a little close and they didn't use their blinker. Maybe you're a person who starts cussing them, calling them names, assassinating their character. Maybe you yell at them and point your finger as you drive by or flip them off because you need to teach them a lesson, right? They need to be more responsible and if they're in a hurry, they should have left the house earlier. That stranger's action triggered an emotional response in you, made you angry, so your immediate reaction is to judge them, decide you know their intention was to piss you off because they're a bad person that can't drive and can't leave the house on time, right? All these assumptions and ridiculousness create your overreaction. Getting into reality would be giving that person a little grace, recognizing that you also have made mistakes while driving, that you also have forgotten to use your turn signal at some point in your driving career, and you also have been guilty of distracted driving. The truth is maybe that person genuinely didn't see you. Or perhaps they got an emergency phone call and they're on their way to the hospital. Or maybe they are a selfish jerk and don't care about other people at all. And that is none of your business. All you have to do is be grateful that you weren't hurt, there was no accident, and grateful that you're a good driver and that you have the mindfulness to stay away from people who don't drive in a way that you're comfortable with. And you have full control of all of those circumstances. You see the difference here? It doesn't require a big emotional reaction that gets your anxiety jacked up and causes you to feel bad and be pissy and irritable with your people for the rest of the day because you can't control everyone's behavior. I get how frustrating it is that people won't behave properly, but you are also one of those people. 
and other people and their behaviors are none of your business. And this kind of irritation and anger and dwelling on it or saying, this ruined my whole day, is a bit much. And that discomfort and anxiety is exactly what will lead you straight to the behavior you're trying to change. This would have put a drink in my hand so fast, I wouldn't even realize it. Or more recently, that kind of anger getting all wound up would have led me to emotional eating because I don't drink anymore. I would have had a double cheeseburger, fries, and a pint of ice cream so fast your head would spin. So when I start to feel a big reaction coming up in me, I pause. I get into reality. Deep belly breaths. If my anxiety's gotten a little high, then I can focus on what's around me, feel my feet on the ground, go down the list. What are five things I can see right now? What are five things I can hear right now? Five things I can touch right now? Yada, yada, yada. Go through the list. Then I can look at the situation more calmly and figure out a proper response. But first, you have to pause the emotional reaction. Okay, this takes practice, but slowing down and giving yourself a little reality check to align with the truth is a simple practice. And I do promise you that with time, this will become easier. And the more and more practice you give it, like I've done over the years, the less you'll experience those feelings getting out of control where you give in to the trigger. These situations do not pop up nearly as much as they used to for me. Just give yourself a little time and make an effort to practice. So let me tell you about one of my clients, Amy. She's in my six-week signature program. And she just had this situation with her husband in the laundry. There was laundry in the dryer. She asked him to take it out of the dryer so it wouldn't get totally wrinkled beyond repair, and she could fold it when she got home. So he did but he didn't do it right. Her expectation that she never told him, by the way, in her head, her expectation was that he would take the clothes out, lay them out somewhat nicely on the bed because the whole point was to minimize the wrinkling. But because her husband couldn't read her mind, he did exactly what he was asked and he took the clothes out of the dryer. But he left them in a big ball in the chair. And she got home and lost her mind. She took it as a personal attack, like he made this horrible choice on purpose to create more work for her, and he couldn't even take the clothes out of the dryer right. Right? This is her husband that, like, she's berating. (laughs) And the person that she loves and shares a life with, and she's calling this poor guy every name in the book and has shredded his character and intelligence in a matter of seconds. Not to mention, then she had herself so worked up and angry that she wasn't able to think clearly at all. She reached out to me, we jump on the phone, and we got reconnected to reality. He wasn't being disrespectful. He wasn't intentionally creating more work for her. He actually did exactly what was asked of him. He just didn't do it her way. It wasn't on purpose. But in those few minutes of being caught up in that emotional reaction, she had already decided that this ruined her entire day. Her husband's an idiot, and a drink is the only thing that will calm these feelings, right? You see how these feelings are a slippery slope? 
I am happy to say by the end of a very simple 15-minute conversation, we got her calmed down. She was laughing at herself and how big her reaction was, and she saw it from a totally different angle she hadn't thought of before, and it didn't ruin her whole day. Only a mere few moments were sacrificed for this little temper tantrum, right? How cool is that? Fast and easy solutions that feel good. These are the moments that support is so necessary because you have to have someone who can make it all make sense and get that clarity and relief. Okay, so let's keep moving on for all my non-woo-woo friends. Let's move on to number two because it's more tangible. Number two is take action. I did a Facebook Live on this a couple of years ago, and a lot of my clients love this strategy because it's also fun. Build connections. Build connections with other people who understand. Take action. Make connections. And this strategy directly connects with our first strategy to get out of your feelings and back in reality because by taking that intentional action, you're moving out of sitting with the unpleasant thoughts and false beliefs that aren't getting you anywhere and you move into taking action and creating solutions that align you with your goals and what you want to achieve for your life and family. Now, when you start to experience a triggering situation, person, place, feeling, you have people to connect to to keep you grounded and not let that anxiety completely derail you. And I hear you already saying, but Angela, I'm feeling triggered and super anxious. The last thing I want to do is reach out to someone and tell them. I get it. All of a sudden, the phone feels like it weighs a thousand pounds and you just can't pick that thing up to connect. However, if you want to beat the trigger and get out of this situation with your goals intact, then you put your energy into that action. Don't put your energy into how embarrassed you feel. See that? Getting into those feelings again. Take the action that's right for you that will get you the result you want. And like I've said a million times before, if you want a different result, you have to do things differently. So commit to building your tribe and making connections with people so that when you're in a triggering moment, you have a safety net. Next, let's look at shiny object syndrome. (laughs) We tend to do this when we get bored with the tactics we're currently using or we think there's a quicker way to get the result we want, so we bail on the one thing and run to the next thing. Oftentimes, we think the new approach or a new shiny object will be the magic pill that will change everything. And it never is. Like, I promise you, it never is. An example of this I see way too often is jumping from one program to the next or jumping from one challenge to the other challenge, thinking the next one is going to be the one that changes everything. So I want you to take a second and think of someone who you admire and respect. You like their success. You like how they live their life. You like how they show up. Do you have your person? Have you thought who it is? Do you see them? I guarantee you that person makes decisions and sticks to them. They take the actions, do the work, and get the results. Am I right? Do you see that? 
They take action, which is the last strategy we talked about, and they aren't bailing on their strategies to chase different strategies. They're not chasing the shiny new objects because that leaves you on unstable ground all the time. You can't get grounded or comfortable at all because you're just flying from one thing to the next and you're all over the place. Now, if you are flip-flopping from one thing to the next, there's likely some fear and discomfort there. You aren't seeing results fast enough, so you fear it's not working, or it gets a little hard and uncomfortable, or there's some urgency there, right? Some desperation to get results. What I'd like for you to do is slow down and really take a look at why you're flip-flopping from one program to the next, or one challenge to the next, or one mentor to the next. What is it going to take for you to stick to something, follow through on a challenge, not give in to a trigger? Maybe a little soul searching, maybe a little journaling around that might take you a long way. Okay, next, I want you to put the blinders on and stop comparing yourself to others. I cannot repeat this enough how important it is to understand that everyone's process is different. Everyone's triggers are different. It's natural to compare yourself, and when you catch yourself doing it, just have a mantra that you can repeat to get yourself grounded and back to reality. Like when I got sober and a thought of drinking would enter my head, my mantra was, we don't do that anymore. Figure something else out. And then move on. Whatever your mantra is, you can make it up or Google one, but have that simple one-liner that you can use to remind yourself of the reality. Another one I use a lot is, that's not the person I want to be. So when I'm triggered and struggling to not give in, I just remind myself, that's not who I want to be. And I talk myself out of it. All of that comparing yourself will not serve you. My triggers won't be the same as your triggers. One of my closest friends when I got sober was really triggered by alcohol and didn't want to be around it at all. He didn't want to go to restaurants that had bars. He didn't buy mouthwash with alcohol in it. Like he wanted no part of it. Now at that time I was still bartending, so I wasn't all that triggered by alcohol. But imagine what a jumbled mess my head would have been if I would have started comparing myself to him and his triggers. I would have thought like, am I doing it wrong? Is something wrong with me that this doesn't bother me? Or the other way around, if he was comparing himself to me, right? Bartending, he could have felt like he was doing it all wrong. Neither one of us was doing it wrong. And we are both sober all these years later and neither one of us has ever relapsed, knock wood. Okay, last one. Embrace triggers and acknowledge they're a part of life. Triggers are a part of the game, and I want to encourage you to embrace it. When you get scared about getting through a situation or being triggered by a text or a song that comes on in the grocery store, all you're doing is saying, I don't think I can do this. And that's not true. When you embrace the triggers and know just to expect them, then it changes your mindset and it allows you to have more confidence standing in your truth that you know sometimes it will be challenging and you also know that you can handle a good challenge. 
So instead of being scared of triggers and kind of secretly wishing they would just go away, we've got to embrace the triggers and celebrate your amazing ability to work through it. Like, I want you to feel it in your heart and acknowledge you can do this. Deal? All right. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. I definitely got more worked up on this topic than I expected, (laughs) but I think the reason is because I see so much potential in you. I know you, I get you, and I know that you've got to get your triggers figured out, get your solutions in place, and be the next version of you that's just under the surface waiting to be set free. Move forward. And when triggers show up, now you know how to smack them down. You've totally got this. Let's recap really quickly. Number one, get out of your feelings and into reality. Number two, take action. I cannot stress this one enough. Number three, shiny object syndrome, jumping from one thing to the next. Stop chasing those shiny objects and put the blinders on. Number four, embrace the triggers and know that you are so capable of getting through it. And number five, stop comparing your reality to others' experiences. So we're in a new year, and that means new things for you in your life. My hope for you is that 2023 is the year that you overcome your biggest obstacles, you start to play a bigger game in your recovery and your life. I hope you're having a fantastic day, and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.